Welcome to Side Talks. Hey, I said I was going to do a David Lee Roth, and I was going to do it better. Oh, man. I don't know if I can do it better or not, dude, but I am here. See, I did the dude again. There, I can't yeah, not do it. Yeah, but it's fine. It's fine. I don't know what's going on. Like, why can't I do... I just feel like I... You know what? I'm, there's a challenge. Okay. I'm going to go see if I can have ever once heard David Lee Roth say dude, because I don't think I have. You're going to have to comb through hours and hours of footage. Oh, man. I can do that. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that is a challenge you are up to, to be uh, honest. Yeah. I've already kind of done some of that. <laughs> I figured there's as much. Some, if, you're, if you're ever bored, which I, I just don't get bored, but you, if you're ever bored, just do a little YouTube search for David Lee Roth fucked up interview or crazy interview or wild interview, I mean, drugged out interview. You've compiled hours of this for like the playlists on the televisions yeah, at the cinema true. anyway. It's true. So I'm, I'm cheating a little bit. I just don't think he says dude, but we'll find out. Anyway, we're not here to talk about whether or not David Lee Ross says dude, even though that could be an entire This podcast. is the second episode in a row, however. <laughs> in which we've talked about that. We're good. Um, this is Side Talks. We're a podcast. We talk about movies. That's Corey Craft. I'm Rachel Morgan. Let's go. What's this shit? I'm being actually kind of kind with that. Well, thank you. Okay, we have to explain to the listener that this is... (laughs) A a, very special episode. This is a first in What's This Shit history. Would you care to explain why? Oh, I am ill-prepared. I suck. If you haven't noticed from the last episode and the intro to this episode, I am off of my game. But, but let's let's specify for the the listener. It's this is atypical because it is Sidewalk Festival week, and you are somewhat busy at the moment. I'm also teaching full time, and I took on another teaching job, so I'm just I'm very stupid. Um, anyway, so we're gonna do um, a version of a very special version of of what's the shit where I'm actually going to watch the film and I'm just going to describe excuse me, not the whole film don't worry but a scene from a film and I'm going to describe it to Corey as it goes along on my phone here so just to be clear I cannot see this I don't you can have see the any back of my phone. I can see the back of the phone but I can't see the screen so Rachel is going to watch a scene in <laughs> studio right now and describe it to me and I'm going to have to guess what it is oh man I'm fired are you ready Yes. There's a lady walking through a door. Okay. Ooh, Th- they'll do that from happening? time to time. What's happening? Oh, goodness. Oh, she's dressed up. She's got on some she got on some white fur. White she cute? fur? She's cute. She's cute. This is by the way, this what you're hearing is what I do when I'm actually watching these to bring to you. Uh-huh. I talk out loud like this to myself. <laughs> so you're like, Oh yeah, I'm like she's kinda hot. Oh, there's a gun in her pocket. Oh, no. Oh, no. She's walking. This is a restaurant. Ooh, she's shooting people at a table. Well, actually, she couldn't shoot them. But now it's like some Matrix moves. Matrix moves. Ooh, some man's choking her. He's dragging her across the floor of a restaurant. He's grunting a lot. Ooh, she sliced his hand up, girl. Ooh, she broke his neck. Now there's more shooting. There's people running around the restaurant. I think Do you know I, what this is? I think I know what this is. Ooh. Child, I think it's a movie that I watched fairly recently. Ooh, she's on it. She's hot. She's hot. She's got leather under this fur, and okay. she is fine. So this is, is this a movie called Anna? Yes. Yeah. You got it. The Luc Besson movie. Can we just acknowledge that Corey just got that based on me basically just like reacting to a to an action scene like by saying she's hot. Woo woo woo. There's a restaurant. <laughs> I just watched this movie for the first Girl, time a couple it weeks was ago. Deep. Um, not a very good movie. Um, it's Luke Besson trying to do the La Femme Nikita thing again, oh, except yeah. this time with a, a Russian model. Um, oh, that's why she's hot. Well, I, I mean, like she a is. Russian winter. She's, she's pretty attractive. Uh, and she's working for 
um, Soviet intelligence with Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren is her boss. Of course they took yeah. her ass out yeah. for this. Um, There's more sound effects in your ear right now. I I really don't like this movie very much, but, uh, you know, uh, again, I just watched it for the first time a couple weeks ago, so it's fresh uh, on my mind. I'm impressed. I just did a, a, by the way, I did an internet YouTube search for shitty action scenes, and that came up. <laughs> What's this shit? For over one million years, Rachel and Corey have talked. And now they share with you one of the greatest accomplishments of all time. Their list of the top 200 films. All right, well, it's time to jump back into our top 200 films of all time. We are rapidly approaching the end. It's really getting deep now. I mean, we're really getting into it. I, I just pulled this up and I'm looking at my list and I'm like, damn, all right, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, top 40 time, um, which is a big deal um, for many reasons. Uh, but I'm going to kick things off uh, for us today with my number 40. Um, it is the last appearance on this list by notorious embattled filmmaker Woody Allen. Um, but it's, it's, it's what I think is his best movie, um, for whatever that's worth anymore. Um, and it's crimes and misdemeanors from 1989, um, which is one of the, it's a movie, uh, where a character asks, um, you know, why can't I do horrible things, especially if there is no cosmic punishment in the universe? Uh, he might have been telling on himself in retrospect. But, oh, boy, um, was he. You know, what are you going to do? It's still a great movie um, with a lot of great performances, especially from Martin Landau and Angelica Houston and, and uh, Alan Alda, the great Alan Alda in there. You heard it here first. Corey cannot get enough of Woody Allen. Cannot get enough of Woody and Allen. And yet somehow I managed to... Um, End my association with him at number 40 on this list. So oh, no good. more Woody Allen that's from good. now on. That was, I think that's maybe the line you drew. You're like, he just can't go past that. Can't, he can marry his own daughter. He can molest children. But, but he can't go past number 40 on Corey's he's list. He's not going any higher. And you heard it here first. <laughs> All right. Well, number 40, Corey. Come get your boy. Uh-oh. It is Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Uh, we might hear about that a little later on my list. One of the most brilliant films ever made. And this is one of those films that I can go to. I can pick out a minute here, a minute there, a uh -huh. scene here, a scene there, and just be absolutely chilled to the core by how amazing it is. Like, it is such a great film with so many great moments. It's so fucking weird. It's so much weirder than you think. It's the weirdest fucking thing ever. It's so good. To tell you one more thing, too, you know how I like to brag on myself. I saw this film when you were just a baby in a basket, uh -huh. and it was at the Galleria, what used to be an indie cinema, which w at first was a multi was a big sort of multiplex Hollywood multiplex, then became an indie cinema, and it screened there on opening night. It, mm. it was one of those it starts at eleven fifty nine, you know, or whatever. Oh yeah, um, screenings, and it and they gave free tickets out. So I want you to know that half the audience was just there because they got a free pass to a movie. That's not setting Twin Peaks Firewalk with me up for success. You would have died to have heard the audience reactions the one scene i remember the lady behind me screaming out don't don't put that picture on the wall bob what oh, about my, bob? oh my god like they, but they had no never seen the tv show you know anyway um it was an interesting kind of horrific and yet amazingly beautifully horrific screenings of my life um but that was my number 40 and i know you agree oh yeah i do i do well, my number 39 coincidentally comes from a filmmaker who definitely has never done anything wrong in his life 
that's sarcastic because the film is Rosemary's Baby, and the director is Roman Polanski. This is a one-two bop. Yeah, one-two bop of, look, of, of predators. It's uh, predatory men who, unfortunately, <laughs> have made great work. Um, both co- coincidentally involving <laughs> Mia Farrow, um, uh, Mia Farrow starring in both Crimes and Misdemeanors and Rosemary's Baby. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not touching that. But uh, but Rosemary's Baby is brilliant. I mean, it it's, it's just brilliant. It is. Um, it, it, one of the best sort of paranoid horror movies ever made. That Mia Farrow performance is amazing. Polanski's direction is amazing. Um, everything about it is amazing. I can't disagree with you, but I just had a thought that when we open our video store, I think we're going to go into business together here. When we open our video store, we're going to have a section called To Catch a Predator. Uh, well, anyway. I mean, that's going to be <laughs> most filmmakers, I feel like, at this point, right? Like, I don't know. Um, it's it's a lot of dudes. A lot what of dudes. happens when you give white men power? It's everybody but, like, John Carpenter, because John Carpenter's too busy watching basketball and playing video games that's to surreal. mess with anybody. It's real. But then again, you know, Trent Reznor is out there just, uh, you know, watching football and also still. Is he is he a creepy weirdo? To, oh, you know he is. Anyway, sorry, we're not here to. This is not the Nine Inch Nails podcast. Don't don't ruin Trent for me. <laughs> I love Trent. Oh, go ahead. It's your turn, right? Or no? Is it no? Mine? It's your turn. 39. Oh shit! Well, here we go. Number thirty nine is a film that Kyle McKinnon wanted for opening night many many years ago, and that is Let the Right One In. Oh, that would have been cool, but... Not the right tone. I, that was the sort of landing point. Yeah. But he really... I mean, like you said, what a it great was his movie, though. favorite film of the year that year. Yeah. And he really wanted it for opening night. But it, it, especially at the time, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been the right opening nighter. But um, I appreciated his, uh, his enthusiasm for it in that I way. I feel like you could probably get away with that now. Now. I yeah. mean, we are, we are opening with a film about nuclear war. Yeah, so. you could probably get away with that now, but... Yeah. Um, that was back in the day. Yeah, but... Oh, what a... F- fantastic film that Great is film. though what a Beautiful fantastic too. movie yeah um 38 um how oh, i didn't mean for this to be a trio of kind of creepy weirdo <laughs> predators but the, to catch a predator section i mean look we don't we don't necessarily think of hitchcock in that way right like uh, yeah we do okay i love i love hitchcock too but boy does he have some issues with women and he takes it out on folks that are working for him well this film might be the primary example of like his <laughs> twisted psychology when it comes to women because it's of course his masterpiece vertigo it's from 1958 you know um, it was on my list yeah it's a great film but it is it definitely demonstrates his sickness he does have some some issues but um it resulted in this sort of all-time like psychosexual thriller um that's one i mean just one of the best movies ever made what are you gonna do yeah, uh, I'm not going to argue it. Is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to argue it. <laughs> um, my number 38 is is from a gentleman who uh, will probably soon be on a list uh, to catch a predator, and oh, that Lord. is uh, Paul P. T. Anderson's Magnolia. <sighs> well, we're going to hear about Magnolia later on my list as well. Uh, I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I hope he has kept his hands to himself. Me, yeah. I I feel. Is like, this an off mic conversation? Nah, I don't know. Okay. Ask Fiona. Anyway, moving right along. Thirty seven, a movie that you may have heard of. Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. A sleeper. Uh, yeah, little little uh, little indie title. You know, <laughs> slipping it right in there. This really is. This section of my list is just like basic film bro nonsense. I mean, I just wait till you hear what what's about to come up. I mean, it's uh, just. Can it's, we predict it? Uh, yeah <laughs> yeah you can uh but look i mean 
the Godfather is is irresistible. I mean, it's it undeniable. Right. It, it's one of the. It's just. It's a. It's an amazing film. It's just. You take this pulpy novel and you transform it into art, and um, I mean that's what Coppola did, and he got some of the best performances ever committed to film in this Godfather saga. Um, I, I know a lot of folks prefer part two. Yeah, um, I yeah. prefer the first one. I think I, I I like the 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 cleanness of the the rise of Michael Corleone and and the corruption of Michael Corleone. That that whole arc that plays out over that epic first film i mean i love both of them and i even have a soft spot for the third one there is a re-edit of the third one that i haven't seen yet um that i'd like to check out at some point but for me um i stick with the first one the godfather i think is the superior picture yeah a lot of my students will mention godfather 2 specifically so you're right that does come up a good bit i will point out i don't disagree with you on this film i think it's a brilliant film but if you haven't noticed it's not on my list and it's not going to be yeah i you know, I get it. No surprise there. Um, my number 37 is a way less known film. Uh-huh. It is called Mandabala. It is a documentary, one of the greatest documentaries ever made, one of the most intense documentaries ever made, one of the most brilliant and innovative and intriguing and provocative. Um, it translates to Send a Bullet. Yeah. And it is about um, what it's like to live without a middle class. <laughs> <laughs> and so in Brazil, you know, there's there's no there's no middle ground there. Right. And so what ends up happening is when you have a, a ton of people who are in really terrible dire circumstances and need to survive and exist and need their families to survive and exist and need basic need to meet basic needs, well, they go find rich people and they cut their ears off and send them to family members. And it's pretty darn common, which is Good causing gracious. people to spend tons of money on armored cars and travel by rooftop and you know, what's the, what's the value of money when you have to spend it all to protect yourself from dying? Anyway, Mandabala, Send a Bullet, great film, and I didn't do it any justice when what I just said, so check it out if you've never seen it. I have never seen it, so I great should check film. it out. I, I It was one that you had scheduled for our 20 for 20 yeah. series that was scuttled, of course, due to COVID. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I was intrigued by it then. Um because obviously you think pretty highly of it to include it yeah. in a list like that. Yeah, it's a pretty great one. And, you know, it takes a lot to get a documentary on my list, yeah. not because I don't love docs, because actually docs are some of my favorite things to watch. But totally. again, uh, it just tends to be that, that 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 rule of wanting to watch something over and over again, oftentimes documentaries aren't going to fall into that category. So when I mention a doc, I really mean it on this list. Sure. It's a good, great one. Well, we're back to basic film bro territory with my number 36, but again, I think it's kind of undeniable. I don't know how you feel about this movie, honestly. Yeah. I'm a little nervous to find out. Uh-oh. Um, it's Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. Oh, I like Blade Runner. Okay. Well, that's, that's no a relief. It's not on my list, but I mean, yeah, you're. it's a dude list. You've yeah. got a dude list going on right I, now. I, this is certainly the dude portion of this dude list. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we'll see. Maybe we'll dip back into less you know, broy territory, but maybe not. I don't know. Well, this is Harrison Ford, right? Pre, yeah. Pre well, midlife crisis. Post, post Empire Strikes Back, post Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. But again, most importantly, pre Calista Flockhart or whatever it is, right. earring in the ear, midlife crisis that never ends kind of douchebaggery that, that he became. My so, man, Harrison didn't yeah. want to be a movie star. To oh, begin poor with. guy. He should have stayed to pool boy. No, then. no, I know. But, like, look, look, he copes with that. Do you know how he copes with that? By being grumpy, smoking so much weed, and flying airplanes. Yeah. And you know what? 
as long as he's not hurting anybody, go with God, Harrison, and show up every and you know whatever movie you want to show up in, and just like do the grumpy Harrison Ford thing. Oh, poor, poor Harrison no, Ford. The, what uh, it meant to have been, you know, a very young pool boy in Los Angeles, and probably sleeping with gorgeous women left and right, and then all of a sudden just trip into being a movie star. Poor guy. Yeah, Corey. well, I mean, it helps if you look like Harrison Ford. So <laughs> you know, it does. It does. Um, okay, well, let me take this. Number 36, much different vibe from your little bro shit going on over there. <laughs> and that is the one, the only Olivia Wilde's Booksmart. You got it. Hey. Great damn film. I, I like Booksmart a lot. Uh, we've talked about it before on and off mic. I don't know if I would have expected it to be so in your top 40. List. But again, watchability. Ding, ding, it's ding, ding, ding. Very watchable. I it's enjoy very this entertaining. Film so much. It, I watch it over and over again. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think that there's. Uh, it felt really fresh when it came out. It feels very um, female centric. There's some stuff I don't love about it. Yeah. Do not get me wrong. The, the, the sort of. The stuffed animal masturbation stuff to me is a little silly, but I get why they do it. That's just like. But yeah. the, the but I love the story of where the fo- the focus is shifted and placed on best friends. Sure, that the the high school typical high school romance where the whole film is about you know a young woman pining over a love interest or sometimes a young man pining over a love interest gets sort of shifted a bit to a best friend story. Yeah. Now doesn't mean that there isn't love interest pining in this. There certainly is that. But I mean it's high school. We all did it. So but the the real heart of a story here is is true female friendship and I think it's really really brilliant. And also the first scene in this film just the first just the just jumping into this thing with just kind of going straight headlong into tone and vibe where she goes to pick her, you know, pick her best friend up at the house to go to school and yeah. they do the little dance down the stairs, just immediately hits you in the face with that's what this is going to be. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. it. It's good. Uh, I'm excited for Olivia Wilde's next couple of movies. She's got one in the can, like a domestic thriller set in the 1950s called Don't Worry Darling. And she's gearing up to shoot uh, a biopic. What's the name of that? That gymnast who in 1996, like, completed the routine even though she broke her ankle and won like a gold medal or something oh, yeah yeah yeah. i didn't realize she was doing that she's doing that that's cool she's directing that and uh the Very young cool. actress thomas and mckenzie who was in leave no trace and jojo rabbit and old um is yeah. playing uh, is it carrie carrie scrug carrie shrug something you're asking the wrong yeah i just i forget her name and i didn't want to sound like an asshole but you know yeah, it Too happens. Late. It happens. Well, you know, she's Olivia Wilde's having a moment. She's very prolific, and she's also got Harry Styles in her back pocket. And boy, what an accomplishment that is! Anyway, going on. Yeah, going but on. I hear about that from my students every damn day. <laughs> I'll tell you. That well, he's much. a hottie, Corey. Just in case you didn't know, that's what they tell me. He is a handsome, handsome man, and he looks like he smells really good. So we move from uh, Book Smart on your list, which is directed by a woman and stars, you know, many women. Many women. Uh, to a movie that stars absolutely no women at all. Oh, it's bro time with Corey. I don't think you're going to find this choice all that objectionable, nevertheless, (laughs) because I'm talking about the legendary John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. You know I'm not going to argue with Carpenter. I Well, I mean, The Thing. I mean... Right. I'm not going to argue. Good Lord, what a movie. What a movie. One of the grossest movies ever made, that, that... alien beast that can transform into anything and just sometimes blossoms into horrifying like uh, shattered shapes oh what a movie what a motion picture agreed well my number 35 my number 34 and 35 are going to bring some bro to the list as well hey now getting broified let's do it um this particular bro is an interesting version of the bro okay 
My number 35 is Punch Drunk Love. Hey. <laughs> well, no no argument here. I love Punch Drunk Love. I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I love question mark Adam Sandler. I think I do. I don't love every movie that he makes, but when he shows up and like does something, I like him it's in great. this. Yeah, he's I great like in this. I like him in this. He's great in uncut gems. Oh yeah. When he yeah, when he commits to something like this, I really really like him, and I think it's a I like to hate him kind of thing. <laughs> Even though I Punch Drunk Love to me is one of the somehow one of the sweetest films ever made. Absolutely, it just somehow hits me in this place that's like this almost you know a feeling of. Uh, of romance actually being a true, real possibility in the world, uh, <laughs> despite it all, and I, Paul Thomas Anderson does that really, really well. Yeah. Um. He, it, you know what? It, what it kind of reminds me of a little bit is is if you had a coin on one side is Punch Drunk Love, and on the other side is Vincent Gallo's Buffalo Sixty Six. Oh my God. I mean, that's not. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Where it, it does the thing where Vincent Gallo, I kind of leave there going, "This is intended to be sweet, but boy, this I feel creepy. <laughs> I feel like maybe I've just been assaulted." Yeah, and because Gallo Chris- is Gallo. He's right. got those Vincent Gallo vibes. Right. Bless and his heart. Should somebody check on Christina Ricci? Is she okay? How is she doing? And then the flip side of this is where Paul Thomas Anderson kind of plays in the same on the same playground, but, but manages to be sweet about it. So, um, anyway, uh, that'll make an interesting double feature. And I stand, uh, by punch drunk love here. Well, no argument, no argument from me. Number 34, I guess we're kind of out of bro territory and back into basic bitch film guy territory. Okay. But like, again, kind of a pick that's undeniable. Um, Gene Kelly and Stanley Donan singing in the rain. Yeah. That's definitely not a bro film. You know, it's, the best screen musical ever made. Yeah. Yep. It's not anywhere on my list. Uh, I'm good without that one. Okay. Um, but anyway, now my number 34 is bro time, bro tastic time. One of the greatest films ever made. But I want to point out, edited by a woman, it is Martin Scorsese's Raging Bull. Yeah. It's a great movie. And, great movie. Uh, you know, you, you, highlight, you rightly highlight uh, Thelma Schoonmacher there and her contributions to Scorsese. I mean, she's 50% of this film. And uh, she's fifty percent of most of his films. Exactly, and I mean, Martin Scorsese would say that. Yeah, there, of he's course. not going to argue that, you know. But I mean, look at Goodfellas and look at the editing yeah. in that. I mean, or, I mean, Raging Bull is magnificently edited. The The Departed is magnificently edited. I mean, she deserves all of the attention and awards that she's ever received. I mean, just an amazing editor. Yes, agreed. And I, I had the good fortune of being number like seven in line to see her speak at Tribeca. Holy shit! Many really? years ago, yeah. And oh. we didn't know what she was going to talk about. It was just like a thel- it was like a Thelma Schumacher is going to do a master class here at Tribeca. We, you know, whatever. Yeah. Get in line or don't. And so I'm number six in line. I get a front row seat of this thing. She comes out oh, and yeah. she goes, you know, I kind of I, they, I, they told me I could do whatever I wanted. And I've been thinking about it. And last week, I just kind of decided, you know, why talk about editing really broadly? Why talk about this moment or that moment? I'm going to really, I want to really sink in and look at Raging Bull. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's Are you what serious? I said, too. Uh-huh. Wow. And she was like, so I've just put some stuff together here, some examples to screen. And I'm going to go through this film from beginning to end and talk to you about what I, what are the most memorable moments to me of this thing. And let's, let's break down some of the edits. I would and it was lost one of the, my fucking I, mind. I did. Holy it was one shit. of one of the greatest things I've ever done. Wow. So it was right up there with when it's one of these art house convergence things. They said Garrett Brown's here to talk to you about the steady cam. I mean, that's I get that <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm geeking out, but he comes out and I'm like, oh my god, holy shit! You know. Anyway, 
Um, we're really film nerding today. Yeah, but both of those would be very really exciting. Cool. It yeah. was really cool. That would have been very cool. He spent Garrett Brown spent like twenty minutes just ripping on Peter Jackson. I don't know. He's really got something against Aww. Peter Jackson. He was just like, "This is." He would show a clip, and he's like, "This is the shit Peter Jackson doesn't get fucking right." And he was <laughs> <laughs> what? And it was just amazing to hear him. He's like, oh, "It's really one to go after after the the Lord of the Rings." Uh, series. Anyway, oh my goodness, um, that was a fun one too. But Thelma's up there, uh, of course, number number in the top six of those kind of things in my life. Yeah, well, easy to see why. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, we're gonna close things out with number thirty three here. This is not really a bro pick either. Um, it's Leo McCary's classic screwball comedy from I think nineteen thirty seven. The film is called The Awful Truth with Cary Grant and Irene Dunn as a couple whose uh mutual mistrust leads them to get divorced. Um and then they kinda hang around in each other's lives and sabotage each other's new romances. Um, leading, of course, to their eventual reconciliation, but because it's screwball comedy. Uh, it's got a cute dog. I think it's the same dog from the Thin Man series, so a little terrier guy. Um, Cary Grant just making a complete buffoon of himself in comic ways. Uh, really just one of the funniest movies ever made um, and a movie I love a lot. Cool. Well, my number three, girl, you know it's Scream. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, what can I say about this film? It's amazing. It takes uh, one one thing I love about this film is that it it takes Hitchcock's Psycho and it doubles down on it and pins that false intro right. to the fucking ground. So twenty fifth anniversary this year, right? Yeah, I think so. I think That's it's getting right. a theatrical re release. Well, we'll be doing it. It's it's amazing. <laughs> Even if two people show up, it's just such an amazing film. It's the best. Yeah. So anyway, um, so that's uh, our eight entries in this installment of our top 200 films. We're really getting down to it. 32 to go. Um, so if you have any thoughts or opinions, email us at uh, podcast at sidewalkfilm.com. We want to hear from you. Thank you for listening to Side Talks. David we, Lee Roth is here, everybody. Again, again. We are your own personal cinematic rock and roll. Do you know what that no, is? No, I don't. That is the name of Mariah Carey's children, and I'm not kidding you. Rock and row? Rock and row. Like R-O-W? Dem babies. That's what she calls them, dumb babies. Right. And by the way, she's been posting dumb babies on Instagram and the like uh-huh. for the last 20 years and they haven't aged. So I don't know how she managed to get basically children that don't age, but she did. But if anybody can do it, Mariah can. Whoa. I, I also want you to know it's creepy. another little Mariah story, which is I once watched um, just for fodder and fun, one of these like concert, but behind the scene Mariah things where it was like 50% concert, 50% behind the scenes with Mariah. And she's in Japan and she's like, basically, you know, she's on tour in Japan. She's basically like, I miss, I miss animals. I love animals. And so somehow they bring her just a room full of puppies and they just let a whole room full of puppies go. Wow. And she plays them for a few minutes in the film. I mean, I guess if you're Mariah Carey, you can make that happen, right? I guess so. But my question is then did they just take the puppies and flush them down the toilet? <laughs> yeah, they're like, just like, all right, let's get rid of these of things. Puppies. They just <laughs> enter that, that room with a giant shovel and just start shoveling them into like a bin somewhere. You're here for Mariah's away. enjoyment. And now you're done, puppy. <laughs> anyway, thank you to Beltwell Studios, who doesn't kill puppies. 
Even um, though I bet you'd fill a room with them if Mariah wanted to record here. Brad's shaking his head yes. I don't know her. <laughs> I don't know her either. <laughs> um, SidewalkFest.com. Uh, and at Sidewalk Film on social media, you can find information about what's playing at the Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema. Thanks to Splash 96 for our music, and thanks to you for listening. Bye! Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise. <laughs>